Hello and welcome to Trish Rock Inspires podcast and TV show where you will be inspired by people truly living on purpose and loving life. Perhaps your passion, your purpose and your empowered self will be sparked into action. Enjoy this episode and please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hello and welcome to this episode of Trish Rock Inspires podcast and TV. And today we have the awesome Nicole Cusack. Nicole is a nutrition coach and NLP practitioner. She comes from a 20 plus year background working in mainstream healthcare, but has discovered firsthand the power that food has on health. It was a diet, it was a change in diet over five years ago when Nicole was finally able to shake off lifelong chronic health issues. This led to her going down the path to nutrition coaching so she could help others achieve the freedom from illness that she had experienced. Today we're going to hear Nicole's story of chronic health issues and how that was all flipped around. Welcome, Nicole. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Trish. Oh, you're very welcome. It's such an important topic. And, uh, you know, when you've lived through it, you've actually changed your life through food and different health practices. Uh, It's such a great story to tell others and inspire others, because I know there are a lot of people out there, Mm. as you know, well, suffering from health issues. Um, So, so t- how did it all start for you? Tell us what happened to you. Okay. It, wind back, um, I don't know, perhaps maybe seven seven or so years ago. Um, and, well, hang on, I'll, I'll start right at the beginning. I've probably had asthma and irritable bowel since I was four or five years old. Okay. So as long as I can remember, I've had stomach aches and um, wheezing. So often ended up in hospital from the asthma the irritable bowel wasn't really diagnosed till I was at uni. No, so, so they don't normally diagnose that in the younger kids, do they? No, no. I just went through life with my parents feeding me Agarol because they just thought every time I had a stomach ache, they went, oh, she must be constipated. Here, drink this. And I just grew up just drinking. There was always Agarol in the house. Every time I had a stomach ache, it was Agarol. Then my dad thought that soda water was the answer to everything as I got older, so I'd have to drink all this bubbly water. Nothing ever helped. I can remember I, I missed so much school and, and uni as well and even work as I got older from irritable bowel. It was related, I realised it was related not just to the food that I ate, but as I got older I realised it was also related to stress as well because I worked in a hospital setting and I had a a fairly terrible boss that could put a lot of pressure on all of us. And I could go from zero to 10 on the pain scale in about five or 10 seconds. Oh gosh. He was really demanding. I'd go, oh, bang. And I just go, okay, so I'm trying to get my work done. I'd end up having to leave to go home. And the the sad fact is that all the medication for, I think it was Buscapan and things were around back then, none of it ever worked. The only thing that worked was strong painkillers that knocked me out to the point where I slept. So I had a half hour trip to get home. I knew exactly where on the freeway to pop the painkillers. So I didn't become drowsy while I was driving. But as soon as I pulled into the driveway, 
then got in the house, crawled into bed. Within 10 minutes, I'd be knocked out mm-hmm. from the painkillers and I would try to sleep it off. And then the next morning, I'd wake up and I'd do, it's like this mental body check of how do I feel? How's my stomach feeling? It was like I got out of bed on tiptoes, like not wanting to wake the monster. And then it'd just take one thing and like maybe the dog barking or or something and it'd go bang and it was back and I'd go, I can't work today. So I'd have to ring call up in sick. So that was what my life was like. And in terms of the asthma, that was, um, I'm I'm sure plenty of you listeners have had asthma and irritable bowel, but with the asthma, it was basically having a Ventolin with me 24-7. Every morning I would wake up wheezing yeah I had a dream this the silly thing is I've had a dream where I had asthma in the dream I would wake up straight out of the dream with a full-blown asthma attack even when I didn't dream I had asthma I still wake up every morning with asthma I still have to have a Ventolin always in the bedroom always beside me and then I would if I didn't have a Ventolin with me if I was coming home from school or something and it was empty I would have an anxiety attack over what the potential of what could happen if I had asthma with no Ventolin. So, of course, what would happen, I'd bring on an asthma attack and then I'd end up, you know, stumbling into my mum and dad's business going, I need a Ventolin, go and get me one. Um, Terrible way to be living, isn't it? I I shopped for clothes that had pockets in it to pop my Ventolin in and I was so, I was really shocked shy I still am a little bit shy but um I never wanted people to see me with a Ventolin so it always had to be hidden in a pocket or something as I got older it got transferred to the boyfriend and then the husband he would put it in his jeans pocket um but it was that was and that was my life never played sport because I couldn't any exertion would bring on an asthma attack I learned how to work with say a personal trainer yeah but like don't make me run around an oval or anything like that so and you know the sad thing is and you probably see it too is it's many people that don't see an alternative it really does become their life oh I have to have my medication with me or you know the anxiety will come on or I have to have this and you start you would have felt like a real outsider at work because yeah you know normal people just go to work what's wrong with me (laughs) and then you get another attack yeah yeah, oh, look, I couldn't, I, I couldn't even count the amount of days that I've lost from work from my irritable bowel. Yeah, yeah. And, and school, I can just remember growing up and my parents owned a business, so I'd be in their back office on one of those banana lounges. They had a banana lounge in the back office that was for me for all my sick days. Oh, and I just you're getting catered. Like the illness just became you, didn't it? Yeah. The illness yeah. became you. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah. So what turned that around for you? Where did you get to the point where you're like, you know what, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> so, sand here. yeah. so I guess I had a, a major life change about seven years ago when my marriage ended. Ah. So I moved out and I was really only a block away. So the kids were, I've got two children, so they were going between houses a week about. And I was sort of getting to know what life was like with just me and the kids, I guess. And I, I came out of a marriage where I didn't really have to cook a meal um, for almost 20 years. So a lot of people would wonder why I would leave that marriage where I had all my meals catered for. But anyway, so I left, all of a sudden found myself having to 
um, cook meals like six or seven nights a week for my kids. Yeah. And so I'm sort of struggling with that single mum stuff anyway. And then our son came down with quite um, bad eczema. He had it on his cheeks and his arms. And at the time, I'd been seeing a naturopath for a few years. My naturopath suggested we take him off grains and ah. stuck my head in the sand for months saying, what do I, how can I feed my kids a school lunch if it's not a sandwich or a bread roll? And I just went, you know what, this ain't going to work. I can't do it. It's too hard. Yeah. So my son's eczema continued to hang around despite using, like we're trying to use natural remedies and they weren't really working. And in the end, I decided to bite the bullet and try it. My ex-husband came on board with it as well. Yeah. At, but at the last moment, he pulled the pin. He said, this is too hard. We have four kids in our house and we're not doing this. And as a mum, the guilt that I felt, I just went, well, if I, we can't do this for him, 100% of the time, what's the point? Yeah. And in the end, I realised I could only control 50% of my kids' lives with the way, the way my life was now. And I thought, well, you know what, let's have a shot at the 50% that I can control. Yeah. So I don't do anything by harm. So we didn't just slowly phase out grains. I just, we just went cold turkey. <laughs> so sudden, there's no cereal in the house. There's no bread, uh, no pasta, no rice none of that it's all gone yeah. all of a sudden I'm putting different things in my kids lunch boxes my daughter was younger than my son um she was drag kicking and screaming through all of this going I don't want this and I don't like it and to a certain extent she still kicks up the stink and she's 13 now yeah. but you know what for all of that my son's eczema disappeared yeah. and we're talking about removing grains 50% of the time, he was still eating a lot of rice and pasta and bread over at his dad's, but it was enough to get rid of the eczema and it never, it's never come back. Wow. And that was, yeah, that was probably, yes, maybe six years ago or so. And then it, it dawned on me one day, I woke up going, well, hang on, I'm not wheezing when I'm waking up anymore. Mm. Actually, when was the last time I needed my Ventolin? Wow. So so was, going, going from planning your whole day around the Ventolin. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, and then I'm, I'm realizing as well that my stomach was feeling better as well. And I just went, hang on, like what's changed? And the only thing that had changed for me is the food. And also, I suppose my marriage ending and me having, I suppose, a, a new freedom that I hadn't felt before for 20 years. So probably that mindset had a certain amount to do with it as well. But um it was then that I really started to experiment with, hang on, well, let's just leave my my um, Ventolin behind if I'm just going down to the shops to grab something. So I started leaving that security blanket behind and I stretched it further and further. First, it was maybe just a 10-minute thing at the shops. Then it was, yeah. you know, if I was going out for a couple of hours, then I started leaving it at home when I went to work. Wow. Um, and, and it worked. And then I found myself um, on an overnight trip. I was driving from Sydney to Canberra. Halfway down, realised I didn't have a Ventolin. You know, I went, don't panic. You're going to be okay here. Yeah. And got down there. I was staying with a girlfriend and she had a golden retriever that would ordinarily bring on hay fever and then asthma for me. Oh, gosh. And I could feel a bit of a tickle. Then I just went, no, no, Nicole, like we've, you've got to deal with this. There is no Ventolin. Deal with it. Yeah. And 
I think I really talked myself out of the asthma attack. Yeah. And I've since learned, and the last, I suppose the linchpin for me that was only a couple of years ago was I used to, I took up running really late in life. Yeah. Always took a Ventolin with me, but only got asthma in the first kilometre, which I think was my body's way of just going, oh, this is crap, don't do this. You don't want to run, I'll give you asthma and make you stop. Because yeah. as soon as I had a puff, I'd be fine and I'd just keep running. Right. And I was working with a, a life coach at the time and she said, have you ever thought of running without your Ventolin? And I went, oh, no, 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 we're not doing this. And she said, try it. So I went out one day. It was only a short run. Within five minutes, I had an attack. And I talked myself out of it. I ran a mantra through my head saying my lungs are clear. And I kept repeating that to myself. And it went away. And I just kept running. So now, if you were to ask me where a Ventolin was in my house, I probably couldn't tell you. <laughs> So I don't actually think I have a full one. I think my partner gets a little bit of asthma. Yeah, so he yeah. has been known to pinch my standby one that I might have and then he empties it and then I don't have one. So it's interesting, isn't it? And and like you, you definitely had asthma growing up, but it became it became part of you, didn't it? Rather than yeah. the relief of something, it became mm. part of you and everything was affected. So it's a real mind game when you try to yes get off it and as yeah. soon as you were as soon as you were started saying oh I left it for 10 minutes for an hour and I'm thinking oh gosh I need to do that with my phone <laughs> <laughs> I, I should try that with my phone, phone. <laughs> <laughs> it's so stressful but um yeah yeah it's a real mind game wow so yeah. so you know that is real proof that even um you know even if you've got the physical signs of something that it's also a mental game isn't it yeah 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 but you know I did realize you know the the power that food had in my health and yeah you know at, at work in my day job I was finding so many people were asking me about what I was doing I was giving out that much advice in the end someone went why don't you just study nutrition coaching <laughs> and I went okay so of course again within a week I find myself enrolled in a nutrition coaching course and then went on to do NLP training um, because it was just I just wanted to enlighten or educate help people with the same issues I was I was having yeah so, because in the end for me most of our health comes down to what we eat and there are so many illnesses you can turn around by changing your diet absolutely absolutely yeah. and i think this, the thing that stops a lot of people is that it can be a little bit hard in the beginning it, it mm. can be a bit um well you have to put effort into it yeah it is it is daunting and it's yeah. it's not easy um and look there are still you know my kids as much as i move remove grains out of the house occasionally oh, yeah on the rare occasion that we still make bolognese and i'll let them have pasta in it like i have zucchini noodles in mine or kelp noodles yes and when we eat out i don't just go okay you're not having pasta pizza rice whatever like i let them order what they want they're older they're 13 and 16 now yeah and you know they've got they eat i'm not gonna say whatever they want but they have i suppose more freedom at their dad's house in terms of being able to eat grains That's and true. here we strictly we don't really have it but when we go out I just let them order what what they want yeah. and my daughter certainly notices the difference with the types of food that she orders and or eats during the day and how she feels 
and they're not getting overloaded with it. And I think that's yeah. the thing, isn't it? Sometimes, um, and I've had this belief about um, uh, certain allergies and uh, things as well, that, that uh, Crohn's disease, things like that. You know, I kind of feel sometimes that's just an overload of something in the body and it's just kind yeah. of saying, give me a break, give me a break. Yeah. But the trouble is as soon as you identify with something and it's got a name, then you become that thing and it, it like, you know, just grows and grows and grows. But yeah, sometimes I think the body, because, you know, many things that I eat, one day I'll eat it and I'll think, oh, I just feel really sick and I not take that anymore. But yeah. I give it a rest for a few days or a week or whatever and then I'm okay again. I mm. feel we get a bit overloaded with stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, so the kids have probably got a nice balance now, but you're choosing not to have, not to have grain, and it's obviously yeah. like, look at you, you're the picture of health. <laughs> <laughs> Some days I don't feel it, <laughs> <laughs> and you know you don't have those issues anymore. So, um, did you notice anything else as well that that um, happened apart from just the asthma and the? As and yeah, I, I suppose over the years my my mindset's changed as well. So since I've done, you know, I've always, I, I've always had an interest in the alternative. So I, years ago, I qualified as a massage therapist. I had an interest in meditation, you know, all sorts of things like that. But it's sort of only been the last few years that I really jumped into more meditation and hypnotherapy and things like that. Like for me, mindset's really important. And yeah. I've realised I'm a bit of a master manifester. Ah, okay, there you go. <laughs> I started doing a bit of a, my dog's here, she's stolen a pen and taken off. Oh. <laughs> I've got it. Um, okay, so what was I saying? Yeah, so I found in the last year or so that if I concentrate on what it is that I want and I've got affirmations written down around it, I can often bring into my life what I want. And the... And the crazy thing is, I guess, that I met my partner a few years ago and I'd been obviously single for a few years on the online dating merry-go-round, never quite meeting the man that I wanted. And in the end, I wrote a list of what I wanted in a partner. Had it stuck up in my shower, I would read it every day. Oh, nice. <laughs> and, then, and then I met Mark and he was, I describe him as, um, how is it, nothing nothing that I expected, but everything that I needed. So he, he ticked a lot of the boxes. I will admit I did have someone, I did want someone that could cook. He doesn't cook really well. And <laughs> he has to be taught step by step, but he's all right on a barbecue, but put him in the kitchen. He's a little lost, but you know, so I didn't, I didn't get that, but mm. you know, I said I wanted someone that was sensitive and willing to show emotion yeah. And he was, he's incredibly sensitive to the point that it drives me insane some days. Uh, we have to be careful what we ask for. That's right. <laughs> Someone said, you, you asked for a sensitive man. You didn't say how sensitive. So the universe is giving you someone super sensitive. That's so I've had to learn, you know, I suppose negotiate my way around that. And if anything, it's probably made me more sensitive. Over the years, I've really found I've got to call a spade a spade on a lot of occasions and being a single parent you do have to be a little bit um tougher than most I think because you don't have a partner in the house where you can play good cop bad cop and things like that but yeah, um, yeah so he certainly taught me how to be a little bit more gentle 
yeah and and sensitive because i've had to learn to um change how i say things as well yeah absolutely that's been, yeah so that's been interesting and just and you know if your health if your health hadn't have had that big turnaround you know there's no way you'd be coping as a single parent that, that's right that's right and now i look you know it was probably a year and a half ago i um broke my ankle out walking my little dog and she yanked me i yanked it back i slip over i snap all these bones in my ankle and i was um basically housebound for two months i couldn't drive i couldn't do anything and here was i i basically had i you know i always thought i, I ran the household so i was the one that got dinner organized um ran the kids around my partner would pick up when you know i couldn't do something but i essentially just felt sometimes it was still me single parenting and getting everything organized all of a sudden i couldn't do any of that and i pretty much hit rock bottom emotionally because and but what I did I really went inside myself and thought well why has this happened to me why am I in copious amounts of pain because I ended up with a um it was sort of like a complicated nerve damage right. um, from the surgery so that was probably a worse side effect than having the surgery so that pretty much ruled my life for close to 12 months after that mm. but I look back on it and I thought well what is this teaching me and it was teaching me to let go of control in my life because I'm, I am, I will admit, I'm a bit of a controlling person, but I had to let go of control. All of a sudden, my kids had to be independent. They had to be getting buses to school. Um, I had to ask my parents for help. I had to ask my partner for help. It's about receiving, isn't it? Yeah, receiving, and it was yeah. about, for me, it was letting go, yeah. letting go of control yeah. and just letting other people come into my life to help me out. Yeah. And I also got a few months off work off um yeah, my hospital job as well. And I, I remember I wanted some time off. My boss wouldn't give it to me. <laughs> then within a week I'd broken my ankle and I ended up with over two months off work. And I went, well, it's not the holiday I needed. It's so, a manifestation, but it never shows up the way we want. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So um yes, yeah, so every time something happens in my life and it's not necessarily positive. Yeah. I always turn it around to look at the positive. And I think that's really important. And, and you know, that's something that certainly wasn't being done as you were growing up. It, yeah. Because it was, you were focused on the, the problem and not the solution. Mm. And, and that just made things worse. But it's, mm. it's created this amazing journey of, of yours now. Yeah. And which led you to be a nutrition coach. Yeah. So yeah. it's just fascinating so you yeah. do all sorts of amazing things um like you were just saying with um hypnotherapy meditation affirmations mm. um, i built that yeah because i built i've i've worked out um i probably started doing it during COVID, i guess when all of a sudden i couldn't see people face to face but i um developed a it was a six-week coaching program and it was online in a group setting but Part of that, the first component of that was important for me to work on a goal setting meditation, because as much as you can just write your goals down and say, well, I want to be 65 kilos, I want this, I want that. Unless you can actually feel it in here, it's not going to happen. No, exactly. So I take whoever, you know, with my clients, I take them through a meditation where they can almost step forward in time to when they have reach their goals and they can actually 
feel it right. and hear it and sense it all around them and what's happening around them yeah. and how how good they feel and then they bring that back with them and then they journal a bit about it so they can and that meditation is always available for them to do to go back in case they, they, you know, they're struggling and they need to kick up the pants, let's do the meditation, take you back to that feeling. And they'll go, that was amazing. It was amazing. And I had one client that came out of it. She said to me, and I said, look, you know, tell me about it. And she, and she was talking to me about it. She said, um, I was pregnant. And I went, oh, wow. And anyway, we, we finished working um, together. And then it was probably about nine 12 months after that she messaged me and she said i'm pregnant so it's just it's just amazing what people can do and um but yeah you definitely need to feel it don't you it can't yeah be a visual thing you need to feel yeah. it um, yeah and you know i i think that anything that we can imagine is possible because otherwise we wouldn't imagine it if it wasn't that's possible. right that's right yeah so i think and what i've done since is you know, as well as the six-week program, I got a lot of feedback from clients saying, well, I wish it was a little bit longer. And I went, okay, well, that works perfectly with what I was thinking. So I've developed a four-month VIP program, which is one-on-one -on -one because as much as the six weeks gives them a really good foundation in their nutrition and their mindset, yeah. a lot of people need a bit more accountability later down the track because it, yeah. it does, and look, it's taken me years to get to the point where I am. So I don't expect everybody to just get it within the six weeks and just go, okay, this is perfect. This works. I'm going to run with it. Yeah. Sometimes it takes longer to assimilate all that information. And so I think I thought, the, well, the accountability is important too, because in that six weeks, yes, they might've changed a few habits or whatever, but it's very easy to go back, isn't it? Yeah. So, so having yeah. That, that extra time of a yeah. And, and, and I guess people reach out to you um, as their coach and, and in your group to say, oh, I just really feel like this today or I've had a bad day and mm. you help them turn it around before it gets, yeah. you know, too yeah. bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, my the way I think is that every day is a new day. Yeah. You, not every day is going to be perfect. Yeah. Like I'm not, I'm not perfect in the way I eat. It, it's not 100% perfect every single day. So if you go to do something and it doesn't work out, I just always say, don't beat yourself up over it. Tomorrow is always a fresh start. Yes. So you just you just go back to day one yeah. and you keep just doing day one until you've done day one and then you go on to day two, day three. If you slip off the wagon, go back to day two, do that again. And, yeah. you know, I think a lot of people just hold on to too much guilt really that it's got to be perfect and they've got to do it perfectly Absolutely. and I didn't get to and yes I went cold turkey because that's what I'm like but I wouldn't have I wouldn't say I have uh, completely not eaten any grains or dairy in the last six years because I have yeah but I just know once I eat it that I feel crap and I'll go oh why did I do that yeah and <laughs> you know but um, that's been years for me yeah and so I, I don't expect people to get it in in six weeks. It can and it people learn different ways as well. And I've seen that in running my group. Some people will just absorb all the information that's mm -hmm. there, and other people don't really read much of that. They just turn up for the coaching calls. So everybody takes on their information differently, and they're just looking for something different from it. 
Um, yeah. Well, you sound like a, such a compassionate coach and because you've been through it, you understand how people mm. feel and the, yeah. the, the anxiety of removing all those things from the kitchen. But what will I do? Uh, what will I eat? And the anxiety of the, you know, going through those things, especially people who are dependent on some medications or the yeah. Ventolin or things like that. Yeah. You've got that beautiful compassion behind mm. it all that you understand where people are coming from. So what type of, um, what not, not what type of people, but what type of issues that do, do people come to you with? Well, I think, to be honest, a lot of people come to me for weight loss. And I've often said to them in the beginning, you want the weight loss, but what you're going to see later is just going to put the weight loss to the back of your mind. So, you know, so I've worked with people that, again, want the weight loss, but all of a sudden they realise their daily migraines have disappeared to uh-huh. just mild headaches or the irritable bowels disappeared yeah. or they've just got this energy that they've never felt before. Okay. And then I'll go, how are you feeling about the weight loss now? And they went, oh, I don't really care about that. <laughs> because <laughs> I feel, yeah, well, I worked with a, I was working with a vegetarian last year actually and, you know, when I first started my business, I thought, oh, I could never work with a vegetarian. That would be too hard. Anyway, she dropped into my life last year and I went, I can do this. This is good. And the and she's quite, she says what she feels and she just went, please don't make me give up rice. And I went, okay, let's see. And within a few weeks, I've got her off rice. I'm giving her other recipes to try. And by the end of our time together, she said, I don't even miss rice, Nicole. Like that was one thing I said to you, do not do this to me. You went and did it and she goes, and I was okay with it. But you didn't force her. It was her natural kind of. Yeah, and then she learned to, um, yeah, start eating a little bit differently, eat more intuitively is how she now feels that she eats. And again with her, she was probably looking for weight loss and even now, we I haven't worked with her, you know, officially for quite some time, but we still get together and have a coffee occasionally. And she said, like, the weight loss isn't that important to me anymore. She said, I just realised how good I felt yeah. by eating more nutritious food than what I was eating. Mm. So it, I just see it time and time again. People go, I just want to lose a few kilos. Yeah, yeah, they'll lose the weight, but in the end, it's all these other gains that they get that they never even realised were possible. And for me, like, and that was probably one of the biggest things for me was getting my energy back. And they talk about having grain brain or grain uh, brain fog and things like that when you have too many grains in your diet. Mm. You can't truly believe that it exists until you come out of it. Absolutely. You've got to, you've got, I was, you've got to have yep. a comparison, don't you? You've got to yeah, have you a comparison. Just, you think that your life is normal. And then one day I was at work and it was like the end of the day. I'm probably tackling a task I would usually have attempted at eight in the morning when I was a bit brighter. And I was buzzing. I just went, what is this? Like, I'm, I'm just like, I'm on fire. I'm on the keyboard. And I thought, this is, this is the power that food has for me. So, and you know, my, I've got a twin sister who's yeah. not much of a believer in what I do, I have to admit. And she said, you can't just take carbs out of your life. That's just stupid. You won't have any energy. And I thought, 
if I took lowered my carbs and had no energy, I said, I'd be asleep under this table. I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you. Yeah. And the fact is I have more energy these days than I did 10 years ago. Yeah. And I'm, I'm 10 years older now. Yeah. So, so incredible, isn't it? Do you think yeah. that, do you think that um, grains in the diet affect everybody? Like too much I think, of them does, does. I think to a certain extent, I think everybody's um, different. Like my partner, he will, well, we don't really have grains in the house, but given free reign, if I'm not here, I guarantee you he'll order a pizza for dinner. <laughs> So he'll just go, I just needed it. And I go, okay. He has a lot of stomach issues. He's the first to admit it, but he's not ready to investigate removing these things out of his diet cold turkey. I think people are, are affected to different degrees. A lot of people, I think, also get used to it as well. Like, for instance, with dairy, um, when we're babies, we have the enzyme to break down the lactose. But as we get older we essentially all become lactose intolerant apart from a few populations around the world. Interesting. But most people just get used to it, I guess, in varying degrees. Some people will get bloated and still drink it, Some, people, but everybody's different. Yeah. So it's how we cope with it. I find now if I introduce, say, um, probably milk into my diet, I'll get really chesty and phlegmy and yuck, yeah. but I can have I'll still have now probably a little bit of cheese but I certainly don't have milk or anything like that so I think everybody's different and everybody gets used to putting up with different things that they actually think are normal that's it and there's a lot of people who put up with things because they think they have to have it too because we get told from yes thousands of media like yeah with milk it's constantly bombarded on you know yeah you need it for calcium and like I'm not a milk drinker um, I make almond milk, but I, I'm just yeah. not a milk drinker and I just never really have been. I just don't like it. And yeah. But I love cheese. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you can get all your calcium and everything else from veggies. They just That's have right. They have to be from milk. That's so right. I think it's the beliefs that we take on from from society, yeah. <laughs> media as well, yeah. um, that aren't, you know, they're not really promoting our health. It's no. more like a, um, they're promoting uh it's a it's more of a you know it's two or three people at the top yeah the top. oh look I could I could talk to you for hours about the the food pyramid that came out in the 70s and 80s yeah. and how that came to be and it wasn't based on the best interests of people having the best health let me tell you no it's not so, and now it's so ingrained with people it's really hard to flip that Very around hard. but we need and to listen to our bodies don't we and, and it, yeah. you know you would be teaching people that to listen to your body what is it feeling after you have that what is it yeah. saying to you yeah 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 so it, it, it's fascinating i could i could talk for hours about <laughs> it. So, um and so you've got your uh you've got your beautiful vip uh, uh coaching program yeah and group coaching and um you're also running something at uh easter as well tell us about that oh i'll be i ran something similar well i was going to run this last easter and then COVID hit and i was actually going to have run small groups out of my kitchen at home oh. and then when COVID hit i went i can't have anyone in my kitchen okay so i canned it so last christmas i ran a webinar with christmas treats and it was just me in the kitchen on zoom 
just cooking up all, you know, all Christmas treats that were healthy. They were sugar-free, um, grain-free. Had a lot of great feedback from that. So I'm going to do something similar for Easter as well. So oh, fantastic. That will, that will be coming up. And I also have a Facebook group. It's called Changing Lives One Avocado at a Time. I love that. <laughs> so um, so that, that group's been good. That's been growing in numbers. Last week I went live in there and talked about my story of asthma, which is similar to what I've shared with you today. Yeah. And I'll also be doing another live um, about IBS. So by the time this interview comes out, my IBS story will be in my group and there's probably going to be some other things That's in fair. there as well. So it's just I wanted to create a community um, where people feel they're able to ask questions without, I suppose, like family and friends shooting them down. Because if you comment on a, on a, in a page, that's really open for everybody to see. And I know what it's like being, I have a fairly critical um, family around what I do. Um, and every time they come over for lunch or dinner, I cop flack for what I'm serving them. Yeah. And I thought, I just want to create something that's mine and where people can come and not feel that they're being judged by their sister, their partner, their yeah. bestie. And they can just be in there go, you know what, I want to explore this, but I, I want to explore it where I can feel safe and where I haven't got all my friends on my back going, what are you doing that for? That's crazy. I think so, it's important because, you know, while they think they're doing us a favour and they're trying to protect us, it's, they're really not allowing us to expand. Mm, so mm. I think that's important to have that safe group of like-minded people where, where they feel safe to come. Because yeah. ultimately, you know, you just want to help them change their lives and feel better. Yeah. And when they feel better and change what they're doing, it's a ripple effect for children, for, you know, future generations too. Yeah, exactly. I, and, you know, the, the one of the biggest messages I'm, I kind of am getting from you is that you don't have to feel bad. <laughs> There's a choice that you can. There is, yep. Yeah. And there is freedom from feeling like crap so you just have to embrace it and run with it and see how you feel and you're not going to get results over overnight it does take time um, to feel this way and with me it crept up on me for months without me realizing what was happening yeah so that was probably because I wasn't expecting it but for someone that works with me they probably do start looking for the results earlier than what I did Especially if you've got physical things like yeah. and medications and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Oh, it's so fascinating. Yeah. You're just doing such powerful work in, in the world, one avocado yeah. at a time. <laughs> <laughs> and and just as an aside, um, will your chocolate uh, Easter treats be um, avocado-based? And uh, oh, Actually, they could be. There's a really nice chocolate mousse that you can make with avocado. So I might put that on my list of things to make. <laughs> it's delicious i'm still blown away by avocados but you know it can be really savory and then can also be really sweet yeah it's yeah a great thing. yeah yeah no it's great so i guess anyone that wants to find me i i really just exist on on my facebook page nutritious also across on instagram yep. and also in my group so if anyone wants to follow me and you can Obviously, when I release all the details for the Easter um, webinar, that'll be on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, and we can all come into your kitchen yeah. virtually. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, the first time I ran it, my 
partner didn't understand the seriousness of what I was doing and was walking behind me, putting the kettle on, making a cup of tea, watching a video over on the lounge. I'm going, oh, he had clothes get... on, I hope, did he? Yeah, yeah, no, he was dressed. And then afterwards, I, I'd said to, I was midway through the webinar and I went, can you ladies just hold on for a moment? I just muted it. Then I went, ah, 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 and he went, oh, oh, can they hear me? Yes, they can hear you. Okay, so he changed room. And I just went, afterwards, I went, can you not do that again? He went, I didn't even think. And I went, no, no, he didn't. Oh, dear. Oh, anyway, dear. so hopefully he won't make an appearance at Easter. And, <laughs> and nor will the dog. So dogs oh, okay. asleep over my shoulder at the moment. So. Oh, that's funny. Well, it's been so beautiful speaking with you. And I've got all of the uh, links to connect with you. So for everybody watching, if anything has resonated here, and I'm sure it has, please head over and, and just see um, Nicole's work and, and watch her videos and, and you know watch all of the things that she does because there'll be something in there for you, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not all about just giving up grains. Like sugar is a huge, a huge thing too. So sugar is probably more important than, than grains, in my opinion, in your health. So, yeah, it's all, it's all in there. It's all available for people. So sugar's my big yeah. demon yeah one yeah. day yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'll get over there and have a look so yeah, yeah. please connect with nicole and uh, uh and head over there and look out for the easter videos uh <laughs> and also get in contact with nicole if you would like to um, get some coaching with her and and really have a more one-on-one -on -one kind of based um journey for a few months to really yeah. make a difference in your life yeah Beautiful. Well, thanks for having me, Trish. Oh, you're very welcome. It's been such a treat and, uh, you know, the work you're doing is so important. And uh, thank you for sharing all your stories with us. Thank you, Trish. Thanks for having me. <laughs> thank you. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> thank you for tuning in to another inspiring episode of Trish Rock Inspires podcast and TV show. I am a psychic spiritual guide and a transformation mentor and you can find me at trishrock.com you can find all the episodes of Trish Rock TV over on our Facebook page and if you'd like to be a guest on the show please apply for a media kit at trish trishrock.com see you next time <laughs>